You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Brewers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ben Larson. You can find me, as always, on Twitter at Talks at Locked On Brewers on the Twitter. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Brewers. Coming to you from Phoenix, a special weekend edition of Locked On Brewers. And I hope you had a good week. Uh, the Brewers with a 5-5 to tie at a game I attended yesterday in Maryvale. Great crowd on hand. Lots of Giants fans, but whatever. Uh, a nice ovation. Not, I don't think, as big as the ovation that Christian Yelich will see on opening day at Miller Park. But nonetheless, a nice little ovation for him when he was introduced in the first inning. And uh, the Brewers with some rocky defense again, namely from Keston here. So we'll get to that today. I, I want to talk about the decisions and the choices the Brewers are going to have to make about Keston here because it's, uh, it's I believe, it, it, well, it has the potential to be a really intriguing storyline and not intriguing like in a good way, uh, but in a obstacle type of way. So we'll talk about that and what Craig Council has to deal with here uh, when he makes decisions about, you know, who's going to play at second base and when he also goes to bed dreaming that the National League can make a midseason switch to the designated hitter because that would solve a lot. Uh, but <laughs> we'll talk about that. Plus, I uh, want to get to kind of the experiences at Maryvale. It's my first time being at Maryvale Park since the renovations. I had been to several other spring training games before with the Brewers in, in previous years, but uh, first time uh, being there since the renovations. And much is the same, but you can see a lot of stuff that's different too, so we'll get to that. Uh, but I wanted to start with talking about Christian Yelich and uh, what the Brewers uh, you know, really experienced with the fans and with him at the press conference yesterday. And I think a lot of it was expected, right? He comes out and, and says a lot of things that you would expect. Uh, the quotes are nice about wanting to be a brewer for the rest of his career. I mean, really nice, right? I mean, I'm not going to be cynical about that. That's absolutely awesome. And look, I don't think you have a reason to be too cynical about it, even if you're the cynical type, because I know that, that you know he's taking some security and all these things factor in as well about not ever hitting free agency and not testing the market and all that stuff and being in a position where you know three years left you might as well take a 200 million dollar contract because you're going to set you and your family and your next generation up and maybe the generation after that up but you know at the same time uh you're you're also i don't think he would do it as i said yesterday unless he really believed that you know, he could have a, a good time in Milwaukee. He could enjoy playing baseball. He could be with an organization that he believes in and that they had a chance to win and win a World Series. Uh, and so that's, you know, obviously I think all those things come into play. And I think what was interesting, uh, if you watched the press conference or if you heard him talk on other interviews or, or talk to some of the individuals, you know, after the press conference, it was interesting that the story is that Christian Yelich and his representation approached the Brewers back in October. And in fact, Mark Adonacio had a, a lunch meeting in L.A. with Yelich's agent on Halloween. 
And of course, it's been in, in progress that whole time. But the fact that, you know, according to the stories, the Brewers didn't even approach Yelich with the the idea, which is kind of interesting. I mean, I would kind of hope they would just to just to at least test the waters. It was Yelich who brought it up with them. And, you know, they engaged, and obviously you see what's happened. So I think that was interesting just to know kind of the, the origin of where this extension comes from. And then also, uh, you know, people were curious, and as the news leaked and the contract details leaked over the course of the week and then were confirmed in the press conference, you know, you talk about Christian Yelch not having a, uh, a, a an opt-out, so he did not want one, said in the in the pressure that it never came up, that his intention is to stay in Milwaukee, and so why, why have that? And in turn, the Brewers also granted a no-trade clause, which David Stearns correctly pointed out later that Yelich is only now a few years away uh, anyway with this contract, three years from, from being a 10-5 and five player. Um, and so, you know, they, he would have that automatically anyway. But, you know, they're, they're giving him that uh, early on the contract, which is great. And, and so it's nice to see that there's commitments made on both sides here. And there's no, you don't, you don't have to pinch yourself here, right? I mean, that's the thing. You, 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 there was shock and, and uh, joy over the fact that Yelich would sign this deal. And then, of course, you wait for the, some of the details to come out. People talk over the course of the week. We, we heard the news on Tuesday. And then you, you want to see, well, what are the details of the contract? And what about, does he have an opt-out? Like other players put in, even the, even the big-time contracts have opt-outs. Uh, but no, uh, this is really uh, such a great story. And you hope, you really hope that, that obviously it comes to fruition in all kinds of great ways and you can just feel good. I, I do get the feeling, and, and again, I said this on Tuesday when I recorded the podcast after the news broke, and I'll say it again, and maybe I'll keep saying it, that I'm being a little sappy here, and I get that. Uh, but, you know, it gives you a chance as a fan to maybe set aside just a little bit the cynical nature of things. The idea that, you know, this is not a, a family member, <laughs> right? This is a, someone who's a business, and he can leave at any time. And some of that's still true, and, you know, things can go awry because it's just the nature of the business. It always can. But you can maybe let go and trust a little bit and say, you know, hey, this guy is going to be a part of, of my Brewer fandom for the next decade, and uh, you can you can let go and love a little bit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you can sit there and say, well, I don't have to, I don't have to look at this as a transactional relationship. I can, I can both appreciate uh, Christian Yelich's time here as I was going to anyway, but I can also just kind of buy into being a fanboy for, for a decade. Again, I'm getting sappy and I understand, but that's, that's the feeling that it generates when a, when a guy decides to do something like this. Circumstances aside, you know, the, the perfect storm I talked about yesterday where it makes a lot of sense in a lot of respects for him to sign the deal like this because of the circumstance, the contract circumstance he was in. But still, you know, it, it's it's more than just that. And he's able to do it, and, and the more details come out about this contract, uh, and, and now we know all the details, the more you love it. And uh, Christian Yelich, you know, like a lot of guys would in this situation, getting just a little bit choked up yesterday when he talks about his mom and his brothers and and uh, the fans and, and the players that, that helped him get and the coaches that helped him get to the point where he is. Uh, I can imagine. I can only imagine the emotion that goes through uh, you. I, I, there's no way I could hold it together. <laughs> you know, something like that was going on. And so it was just a nice, uh, heartwarming press conference uh, for many reasons. And then he makes his debut and 
Uh, has a couple of at-bats with runners on, doesn't get any hits, but, you know, again, nice to see him back in baseball. We forget amongst all this a little bit, amongst all this a little bit, that, of course, his season was cut a little bit short last year, and this is his first time back, and uh, 0 for 3, I believe, was the final stat line uh, for Yelich. Came up with a couple of runners uh, on in the mid-innings and a chance to give the Brewers a lead, but he flew out to deep uh, left center field. So uh, he'll, I'm sure he'll come around a little. <laughs> it's not a microcosm for the season. So it was good to see that in, in uh, Friday's ballgame. Uh, so just wanted to give some follow-ups and impressions on the, the press conference and kind of the, the fallout. It was the first time we heard from Yelich since the news was announced. And again, it's nothing to really be sad about, right? It's, it's, uh, it's all good. Uh, and that's you rarely see that. You rarely have to say, oh, but there's a catch. No, it's it's all really good and really exciting for the future of the Brewers. And, uh, you know, we'll see what, what can be done this year. I, I still don't feel like that this particular negotiation, this particular news has or had much effect on the, the Brewers' decisions this year to cut back on payroll. So it well, although it makes the offseason a lot better just from a feeling standpoint, you still feel a little short that the Brewers couldn't do something like re-sign Yasmani Grandal or or add a, another you know quality starting pitcher for a little more money and and uh, give themselves a better chance because this Yelich extension doesn't even start doesn't even affect him for a couple more years for three well until the twenty what twenty two season because they tore up the option his pay will go up that year so they didn't even give him anything up front uh, which is which is amazing now you know they'll arrange their money accordingly and and maybe save up here and, and maybe the the circumstance as well as uh just the the way things played out uh the brewers maybe didn't intend to cut back as much as they did but they ended up not being able to to pull the trigger on any moves and so you know that's going to be debated going forward a lot uh, we do know the brewers have a lot of versatility and a lot of depth uh, will that equal wins will that equal true contention in the central division Obviously, that uh, story's about to be told. So I'll come back. I want to talk about, again, like I said, Keston here, and I'll give a couple impressions about my time uh, at uh, the American Family Fields of Maryville, uh, and well, I guess of Phoenix. Uh, so we'll talk about that coming up. You're locked on Brewers. So I expressed a lot of gratitude there for Christian Yelich and the circumstance, the way things worked out. How about a lot of gratitude for all Wisconsin sports and where you can hear about them all the time? Locked on Bucks. Locked on Packers, locked on Brewers, locked on Badgers, who are Big Ten champions in basketball. That's just incredible and a great story. If you haven't been following that, start to follow it because it's it's one of those uh, one of those that if they if the Badgers make a run in the Big Ten or I should say in the NCAA tournament, there are going to be a lot of stories about them. Uh, the way that you know, CBS and the networks they'll just love it uh, because there's so much there to dive into with the Badgers. So it, it's been great, and uh, we'll see if they do. But they've won the Big Ten Championship, and it's really incredible. So that's all about all over Lockdown Badgers. You can check that out. Lockdown Bucks, uh, tough loss uh, to the Lakers, but they move on. And then uh, Lockdown Packers as well as they proceed in the NFL offseason and, and talk about free agency. So if you're a fan of Wisconsin sports, there's a Lockdown Network all in Wisconsin. Of course, you've got the National Lockdown Network, too, and Lockdown Podcast for all the teams all over the country. So what a great tool for your podcast arsenal. Uh, check it out, Lockdown Podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So I wanted to get into Keston here a little bit because he makes a, a big throwing error yesterday 
and he's made another error that cost the Brewers earlier in spring. So he's got that on the defensive side of things. The error yesterday cost the Brewers a couple of runs in the inning and turned Josh Lindblom's uh, start into kind of a mediocre one, uh, even though, of course, it wasn't really his fault. So defensive miscues and second base going to be a big stressor for the Brewers, I think, going forward because you wanted to see uh, maybe and hopefully that, that Keston Hira had improved things. And so far, he has not, and it's hard to try to trust or believe that, you know, he will uh, this season. It doesn't look like a guy when you watch him play defense who's clueless out there. Remember Ricky Weeks at second base? Sometimes you you just you know he was so herky jerky and and rushed things so much, and it was just his nature that you never knew if he was going to be able to settle it down. I don't get the feeling like that with Keston here. I do feel like watching him play defense that. He'll be able to figure at least a little bit out and be at least maybe passable or somewhat solid at second. At least that's the thought, and a lot of people feel that way. A lot of scouting reports have said as much. He just needs the reps. Unfortunately, the Brewers need his bat. Hardcore. I mean, here you go again. Third home run of the spring. He hits another one yesterday, and you see what he can do on the offensive side. So his bat has got to be in the lineup, and yet what do you do if you're Craig Council? What do you do this year? Uh, you know, he's going to be starting at second base. The Brewers are going to have to live and die with errors he makes the first five or six innings of the game. But what if the Brewers have a one-run lead or it's tied beyond the sixth? Do you pull him out? Uh, it, that that decision is going to be the subject of a lot of consternation for Craig Council and a lot of ridicule from fans. There's no right answer here. You know, that's the problem is that you can't predict it. You have no idea. And his shakiness defensively, if it continues, and it likely will to be as shaky as we've seen just through the first part of spring training here, uh, man, you know, I, I don't know. You hope that maybe with a bunch of reps it could get a little bit better as the season progresses, but how much are you costing yourself? Uh, that's going to be, I think, a big storyline for this club because you can see, you know, how valuable his bat is. We saw it last year, and uh, you're seeing a little bit here, and he's just such a phenomenal hitter that he's got to be in the lineup. And so, you know, how much, where, where's that equation playing? And is there a, is there an analytics factor about that? Maybe we can talk with Dr. Scott, who's, who's promised to join us here this week. So we'll talk with him about that maybe this week and see if we can, we can find a, a key point here for, uh, for Keston here. You know, you look at the Brewers and, and all of these decisions, it's not just second base, but there's so many decisions Craig Council can make with the versatility of this roster Certainly to when he puts together lineups each day in, day in, and day out here. But with the extra position player that the Brewers are going to have, uh, you know, the, the decisions he will make from the sixth inning on this year uh, are going to be fascinating to watch. And, of course, just opening up to even more ridicule, just as every manager always is, what his tactical decisions are, are always debated by fans. That's part of the, the game. But, but even more so, I think, this year it will just add that factor well, that was already going to be the case coming into the season, but now you have what to do with Keston here if you're trying to protect the lead. Uh, you know, maybe maybe in the ninth inning, it's a no-brainer that you pull him and and you know play for defense and play to win. But uh, it, you know, if you need to think about it before that, when he's got an at bat left in a game, you know that's going to be fascinating. So something to keep an eye on uh, because it's just it it doesn't appear to be getting better at second base for Keston Hero. So. 
finally, before I uh, move along here on this uh, weekend pod, uh, I just wanted to give a couple impressions of Maryville. I think they did a great job. They get a good crowd uh, yesterday, and it was fun to to be there amongst the atmosphere. Sun was hot. It was one of those Arizona days where you you know you're you're in the sun and uh, you want to get out of the sun. We're so uh, fragile, you, you know, as human beings. We want to get out of Wisconsin, want to get into the sun, and yet if you're sitting in the sun too long, you're like, oh boy. <laughs> that was what uh, that was what it was like yesterday. But a fun atmosphere to be at. A big crowd. The concourses were packed uh, at uh, at at the stadium there, and you see the signage up. American Family. I mean, get used to this because that's what's coming at Miller Park. Because uh, it's not, not going to be Miller Park for too much longer. But you're going to see a lot of AmFam signs, a lot of AmFam promotions. Uh, so if you like insurance. You know, that's, that's going to be the case at Miller Park coming up because they've completely taken over uh, at AmFam Fields of Phoenix. But the facility is is fantastic. I haven't a chance to walk around a little bit. Obviously, I couldn't get inside, but just seeing how things have changed and what they did and spending the $60 million, the stadium itself or the field itself hasn't changed a bunch, but uh, everything around it really has. And uh, it's impressive. I think, you know, you can see why the Brewers are taking this tact as as we talked about yesterday, if they can't sign, you know, three hundred million dollar pitchers and and position players, they're going to do everything they can everywhere else to try and put a winner on the field. And though a lot of fans lament that, and I totally get it, this is the path. I mean, there's there's no other solution here. Mark Adonacio, though he may have taken a lot of criticism, and and again, we we did a podcast on it when spring training started talking about taking an operational loss, and you may think he's lying, you may think he's trying to cook the books or whatever, but again, I, I go back to it, I don't doubt the guy's commitment to try to win, because look at he just signed a $200 million player, it's taking a risk there, that is taking a risk, there's no question about that, uh, because it's, no matter what, uh, you owe that guy $200 million, and that's going to, you know, if, if he can't play or something happens, it'll sink you, so that's taking a big risk, we understand that, uh, and understand the payroll's not where you want it to be compared to some of the other teams, but I don't think you question his commitment to winning, and part of that commitment to winning is managing the club so that you don't have to go into debt and bottom out and completely gut everything a la Miami, a la, you know, name your team. A lot of them have done it. And so he's not doing that. He's trying to give you a competitive team every year, and I think that has to be recognized, even with the frustration. Uh, not trying to be a, a Homer Sicka fan here, but but try to be realistic, right? Try to be clear-headed. I think you got a lot of smart people running this organization, which is great because you haven't always been able to say that, and a lot of teams can't say that. And so this facility in in Phoenix is part of that, right? And seeing what they've done and seeing you know what they bring to the table here in spring training is great. Uh, the one thing that uh, I think the Brewers <laughs> might be able to model uh, is the Atlanta Falcons, right? Because the Atlanta Falcons built this ridiculous new stadium, first world gluttonous t- stadium, <laughs> right? And they made concession prices affordable for the average schmuck who goes to the game, if there is such a thing anymore. Uh, a beer is $12.50 at American Family Fields of Phoenix. Now, I'm going to have my old man lawn moment, but are you kidding me? Like, I really wanted a beer yesterday, but I could not justify it. I saw a lot of people walking around who could, you know, a lot of people having a a $12.50 beer, maybe more. I couldn't justify it. I could justify my $10 hamburger because I was really hungry, but I was like, you know, I don't need a $12.50 beer. I'll try a $5 Aquafina or was it Danzai or whatever the heck they had there for water. But that's what I did uh, instead. 
and still spent a lot of money on food and drink. But I just, I can't believe, I can believe, but I also can't believe uh, the the cost of alcohol uh, is just totally insane. And I just, I don't know what else to say about it. It is what it is. I get that. But some, some, you know, professional sports franchises, very few, but some have said, yeah, no, this is not, this is not okay. We're going to, we're going to make concessions a little lower and probably do a little more volume and come out in the same, you know, same arena. Now, maybe in Wisconsin, it's good that you, you price people out of uh, drinking too much because after all it is Wisconsin and we all know how, how ugly things can get from time to time when you are overserved. But the point is for me, I don't, I'm not a heavy drinker and I would like to have a beer and I was absolutely deterred. I will just put that on the record right now. I was completely deterred. I was, it was a nice day. I had found some shade. I was like, you know what t- would taste really great right now? Like a summer shanty or, or whatever, maybe even a Miller Lite. I don't care, but they're all 1250 for 16 ounces. The tappers were at, what, 10 at least? I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And I should have planned ahead and maybe had a, had a beer in the parking lot. I don't know, but still. Uh, anyway, I probably spent proportionally way too much time on that little rant, but you know, I'm now middle-aged and, uh, feel the need to rant about these types of things. (laughs) So we'll see what I rant about next week. Property taxes. I mean, seriously. Okay. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll talk next week. Have have yourself a great weekend. And until then, uh, be sure to download the podcast. You can always hear us, of course, on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Apple as well. And uh, you can go to the uh, Lockdown Brewers site or Lockdown Podcast Network site and check us out there uh, in addition. So, uh, again, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. I'm Ben Larson. And you can find me on Twitter at Cheesehead Talks, at Lockdown Brewers, and Facebook.com slash Lockdown Brewers. Talk to you soon. I'm Ben Larson. You've been listening to Lockdown Brewers right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.